Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Tonight, we rearranged our service to spend some time and attention uh, giving uh, a reminder of the hope that's ours in Christ. And there is a specific purpose for this because last week uh, in California at one of our churches that we're in fellowship with, Harvest Christian Fellowship, pastor by uh, Greg Laurie, uh, they had one of their staff pastors who had been there for 18 months, 30-year-old uh, Pastor Jared Wilson, committed suicide. And it sent shockwaves not only through uh, Harvest Christian Fellowship, but it sent shockwaves throughout the body of Christ because of the platform and the prominence of Pastor Greg. Uh, many people wrote on this. Many people were talking about it. Uh, even even uh, secular publications like People Magazine were writing on this. And it also sent shockwaves to anyone that has a sensitivity to the body of Christ. Because the Bible says, when one part of the body hurts, the whole part of the body hurts. And having it happen so close to us, uh, Jared was a phenomenally gifted young man who we had the privilege of meeting ourselves. We had flown out, uh, me and a couple of the guys had flown out to California a few months ago uh, to tour Harvest, uh, to learn from them, to, to learn how they do things, how we might be able to improve ministry here, reach our city better because... Pastor Greg does such a great job uh, in the hands of God, and we want to do a better job. And so we went down there, and our host was Jared. Uh, he, he came out and spent a half of his day walking us around the campus, answering all of our questions, and uh, just a very likable, uh, very loving man. But as you'll see in a moment, we decided to dedicate our service tonight, allowing Pastor Greg to teach us. Now, he won't be with us live. We're going to show a video of a teaching that he gave to his church just after the tragedy happened. And so you'll see that it's given with such care and concern. And then when he's done, he invites Kay Warren up. Uh, you may know Karen, uh, Kay by uh, her husband, Pastor Rick Warren of Saddleback Church in Orange County. Um, she faced, she and Rick both faced this uh, difficulty of suicide when their son committed suicide. And so it has opened up a new channel of ministry for them in ministering to those dealing with mental health and giving a platform and freedom to discuss these things and not no longer have to hide in the shadows or be afraid of shame or condemnation. And if anything we can do as a church, in our own church, uh, it can start here, we would learn as a church family to be loving and caring and sensitive to those that are dealing with these things. So we wanted to open up um, I, was, I pr actually prayed about putting a message together myself, um, but Pastor Greg does such a great job that I think it would be worth <clears throat> allowing him to teach us. So we're going to play a video for you on either of the screens. Our video uh, thing is in for service, so we won't be able to put it on the wall, but we'll put it up on each screen. If you need to, get, if you need to move around to get a better view of the screen, that's fine, uh, but we'll play this, the video in its totality, and then we'll co I'll come back, and he releases his church to pray, I'm going to release our church to pray as soon as the teaching is over. So I'd encourage you to get a pen out, uh, and uh, there are pens on the offering boxes around. There'll be some great notes to take, and, and if, um, 
If you would, let's just pray that God would get our attention uh, and minister already by his spirit. So Father, we're, we're grateful that you are the giver of hope in all the circumstances that surround us today. We acknowledge to you that we're broken. We acknowledge to you that whether it's us, you know, whether we have issues, someone close to us has issues, we just, God, desire to be your hands and feet in a broken world. Forgive us for our judgmentalism. Forgive us for our opinions that don't reflect your love. And let us be men and women that follow you, Jesus, in spirit and in truth. That we would never abandon the truth, but rather, God, we would deliver the truth sensitively, carefully, and led by your spirit. And although we know this study uh, was given a few days ago, I know your word is alive every time it's taught. And so we pray your blessing upon this study, both to those of us in this room, downstairs in the overflow, uh, out on the internet, listening live on Grace FM. May your word go forth boldly and bring comfort and encouragement on a very difficult topic in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's cue that video. Let's pray together. Now, Father, we come here tonight uh, to remember a man who loved you, that is with you. But we also come tonight with hearts that are broken, uh, with sadness, with questions. But we come to you. <laughs> That's the main thing. We come to you because you have everything we need. No, we don't think we'll walk out of here with all of our questions answered, but some may be. Ultimately, every question will be answered. Ultimately, every tear will be dried. But until that day, we're here to worship you. We're here to call out to you. And we're here to hear from you. So we ask you to speak to us as we look at scripture and talk together. We commit this service to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Well, good evening, everybody. I'll be honest with you that this is one of the hardest messages I've ever had to write. One I never thought I would write, but uh, it's one we, I have to give to you tonight. I think by now most of you know that our friend Jared Wilson is with the Lord. For those of you that knew Jared, you saw him on the platform, full of energy, excitement, passion. You might have thought, is he really that way? He was really that way, all the time. Wherever you were, always wanting to help everybody. Are you okay? Jared would ask. Can I get you something? What can I do for you? That was him. Positive, vibrant, always serving and helping others. Hard working, very smart young man. He also dealt with very deep depression. It actually went back to his childhood and he was under a doctor's care. And because this was such a struggle for Jared, he wanted to help others who were also dealing with it. So Jared, along with his wife, Julie, and I want to say, I know Julie's watching tonight. And Julie, we love you and we're praying for you and your family, your two boys, Finch and Denim. And also Jared's father, Eric, is with us tonight and his brother, Christian. So we welcome you to our service and we're praying for you as well. Let's welcome all these folks right now. God bless you. When I heard the news that Jared was gone, 
Uh, I just couldn't believe it. Uh, it actually, I heard it very early in the morning because I got up at 3.30 in the morning and I sometimes wake up that time. I'm not sure why. And, uh, and I, I was listening to a podcast actually by Chuck Swindoll. And I happened to notice a few texts from my son Jonathan and he told me what had happened, that Jared had taken his own life. I screamed, I yelled, no, God, no. It woke Kathy who was upstairs behind a closed door up from bed. And, uh, and it comes as a shock to people because people think that we as pastors and spiritual leaders are somehow above the pain and struggles of everyday life. We're supposed to be the one that have all the answers, but we don't. At the end of the day, we're people just like you. We're all in the same boat, so to speak. We need to reach out to God for His help and strength each and every day. And Jared had put his faith in Christ. And that is why I believe right now he is in the presence of the Lord in heaven. Very important thing to remember. One, one dark moment in a Christian's life cannot undo what Christ did for us on the cross. <laughs> Romans 8.38 says, Paul speaking, I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or demons or fears for today or worries for tomorrow or even the powers of hell can separate us from the love of of God. We do not go to heaven because of what we have done. We go to heaven because of what he did. And we need to remember that. And Jared's wife Julie is, is you know, to see her life has changed is the understatement of the century. Uh, devastating, completely unexpected. And uh, we went and visited her and spent quite a bit of time talking with her and praying with her. And now she is, has two boys to raise on her own, but she told me an interesting thing. She said, right after this horrible event happened, uh, she just felt God's peace with her. Just the supernatural peace. The Bible calls it the peace that passes all human understanding. Julie wrote this about Jared after his passing. Quote, no more pain, no more struggle. You're made complete and you're finally free. Suicide and depression fed you the worst lies, but you knew the truth of Jesus, and I know you're by his side right this very second. I love you forever, Thomas Jared Wilson, but I have to say that you being gone has completely ripped my heart out of my chest. Suicide doesn't get the last word, and I won't let it. You always said hope gets the last word, Jesus does, end quote. And uh, Julie is actually a very gifted writer. And so I titled my message, Hope Gets the Last Word. Jared wrote a blog about dealing with the struggles and challenges of life. And he wrote, quote, Sometimes stuff hits the fan and life is no longer the perfect picture we all, all hoped it would be. And although our faith in Christ does bring us newfound purpose and destiny, it is not to say that things are ever going to be, it's not to say things won't get tough. No matter what you're going through, God is still good. He's all powerful and he's all comforting. And that's true. And we need to remember what Jared told us in his best days, not his worst. And Jared spoke openly, trying to help people struggling with deep depression and suicidal thoughts. He wrote these words, does God approve of suicide? Nope. 
Uh, does God, uh, does God view suicide as a bad thing? Yep. But we don't know what was going on in his mind in that night when this event happened. He was dealing with challenges, medical challenges, another extenuating circumstance we know nothing of. And so it's really not fair to pass some judgment. This is a time for compassion. You know, pastors don't have all the answers. Neither do prophets. Let me say that. You should have met me when I was 21, when I was starting out as a pastor, because actually I did have all the answers then. <laughs> I also had hair. Uh, but you know, the reality is I didn't have nearly as many answers as I thought I had. But I was very self-confident in what I knew. But now, as a pastor of 43 in some more years, um, I realize how little I know about so many things. I know more than I knew, but I have a lot to learn. Don't we all? Pastors don't have all the answers. Even prophets didn't have all the answers. Job wished he had never been born. Jeremiah, at least on one occasion, wanted to die. Jonah wanted to die too. And Elijah comes to mind. And I remember actually that I taught on Elijah here at Harvest Orange County on a Thursday night, and Jared was here. And I talked about how Elijah struggled with this deep depression. He, he got really down. And you know, it's an interesting thing because he was down after a great event. You know, sometimes low lows follow high highs, right? And he had just had his showdown with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel and the fire of God fell. But Queen Jezebel put a contract out on his life and he went and hid in a cave by himself. And in 2 Kings 19.4 we read, He went alone in the wilderness, traveling all day, he sat down under a solitary broom tree, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, he said. Take my life, Lord. I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. I mean, here's a man that God used to bring miracles, fire from heaven, stopping the rain, even raising someone from the dead. Yet he was so depressed he wanted to die. And I, I just pointed out that we can have times of depression. We can have times where we're sad. And, and it doesn't mean our faith is gone. And it doesn't mean we're failures as believers. It means we're hopelessly human and we constantly need Christ. He came up to me after the service and thanked me for saying those things. And, and I think about them now. But... Uh, this is a time where we realize we can't do this alone. You know, one of, problems, one of the problems Elijah had was he was all alone. When you're all alone and you're feeling down, that's the time you need to reach out to Christian friends. That's the time you need to reach out to family. And as Jared would often say, you learn some things in rows and you learn other things in circles. And so we're in rows tonight, but you know, getting in a circle and a smaller group with people, sharing your heart, asking for prayer, saying I need help right now. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's a really good thing to do. In fact, it's something every Christian should do. I have my network of friends that I'll reach out to when I am going through struggles. Yes, I go through struggles and hardships and challenges and, and I ask for prayer and I ask for wisdom and we all need that network of people around us. We're not meant to do life alone. But you know, 
when someone takes their own life, um, sometimes people are, are quick to point fingers and say, well, why did they do that? Uh, why did they then just snap out of that slump? Uh, shrug off this case of the blues. Well, let me ask this question. If Jared's diagnosis had been a physical one, would we ask those questions? In other words, if someone dies of cancer, do we say, well, why didn't they just lick cancer? Well, because cancer is powerful and it took their life. And maybe they sought medical treatment and it was not successful. Well, in the same way, we're, we're dealing with someone who's having mental struggles. And it can be an illness as much as a physical illness can be a part of one's life. And Jared was very open and candid about those struggles that he had. Yes, suicide is a wrong choice, but it's not a fatal one. And while that is a wrong choice, haven't we all made wrong choices? And did not Christ die for people like us? I'll tell you one choice that Jared made that was the best ever. That was accepting Christ. The second best choice. The second best choice was marrying Julie. Right? And I, I read where he, well, he told me this personally, that he actually did it at a harvest crusade many years ago. And, uh, but this is a time where there, there's a lot of questions. I had a talk with some of the young people from the young adult group that Jared would speak at, uh, at Harvest Riverside. And the question was asked, if Pastor Jared can't fight these suicidal thoughts, how can I? Well, listen, you can't fight them. You must fight them. That's what he would want you to do. Uh, and God will give you strength. Well, why didn't God give him strength? God gave him strength. We don't know what happened on that night, but we know that God will give us the strength we need as we call out to him. Yes, but how can you say he is in heaven? Well, because it's, it's simple like this, as simple as this. When you stand before God, you won't be judged by the last thing you did before you died. You'll be judged by the last thing Jesus did before he died. He died for your sin. If a believer does something foolish, sinful, or mistakenly, in the end, uh, their death can't cause them to lose what they never earned in the first place. Uh, why am I a Christian? Because I live a good life? Uh, because I've done good things? No, I'm a Christian because of the all-sufficient death of Jesus Christ for me on the cross. And eternal life was given to me. And eternal life is given to everyone that puts their faith in Him. You know, sometimes we put people on pedestals. And that's always going to lead to disappointment. That's nothing new. The Israelites worshipped Moses in many ways. Oh yeah, they worshipped a golden calf, but it was only after Moses was gone. I think Moses was their first idol. The golden calf was their second. I'm sure people really admired the great apostle Paul, but Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Or as another translation puts it, Paul speaking, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So just remember that people are going to at times let you down. People at times are going to disappoint you. People at times are going to fall short. But Jesus Christ will never let you down. Get your eyes on him right now. He's on the throne. He loves you. 
And so we can look to him. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, the prophet writes about what happened after King Uzziah died. King Uzziah was a loved king. The Bible says he ruled for 53 years and did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. But he made mistakes and did not represent God as he should have. Ultimately he died. And Isaiah writes, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his glory filled the temple and the angels cried holy. So in a way Isaiah is saying, you know we were sort of looking to King Uzziah but now we're looking to the Lord and that's what we need to do. We need to look past people for a moment. And we need to look at the Lord seated upon his throne. He's here for us now. Listen, never trade what you don't know for what you do know. We don't know why this happened. We don't know the struggles Jared was facing. But I know that he loved the Lord. I know the Lord loved him. And I know he's with the Lord. And I know I will see him again. That's what I know. And that's what I'm standing on right now. But some of you may be filled with anxious thoughts and worries and concerns. And I want to read a passage and then I'll close. First Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. The New Living Translation puts it, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. The word that is used here for cast is not the normal word for throwing something. It's a word that signifies a definite act of the will by which we stop worrying about things and instead let God assume the responsibility for our welfare. As one person said, pray and let God worry. Now, of course, God doesn't worry. But the idea is put it in the hands of the Lord. You can't carry this thing. Cast it on Him because He cares for you. God cares for you. And if you're struggling uh, with depression, if you're struggling with suicidal thoughts, reach out to somebody. Let them help you. There's no shame in it. And let us encourage one another and minister to one another and pray for one another. And if you're having suicidal thoughts, you should get medical help. And there might be an answer there for you as well. But we need to reach out and not internalize these things and do them all on our own. But know that God cares about what you're going through. I know one of Jared's favorite passages it's one of mine too. Jeremiah 29, 11, which says, God speaking, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. I love that that verse says, God speaking, I know the thoughts I think towards you. If it just said, I know the single thought I once had about you for a fleeting moment, I would be happy with that. To think that God Almighty had a brief momentary thought about me. But that is not what it says. God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. How many are those thoughts? Well, the Bible says that the thoughts of the Lord are more than the sands of the sea. That's a lot of thoughts. Yeah, but what kind of thoughts are they? Are they bad thoughts? No. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Listen to this. Hope has the last word. Not suicide, not cancer, not depression, not even death. When that hopeless thought comes knocking on the door, reject it. One statement I made that Jared actually uh, put as a post. He did a lot of my social media as well as his own and 
for the church. And this statement grabbed him. And I made it last Sunday on my message. And the statement was, when the devil comes knocking, ask Jesus to answer the door. And that's what we need to do. Ask the Lord to help you. Fill your mind with scripture. That's where you're gonna find the hope. Psalm 38, 15 says, you, in you, O Lord, I hope, and you'll hear me, O God. Psalm 135 says, I'm counting on the Lord, I'm counting on him. I put my hope in his word. After our son Christopher died 11 years ago, I, I, I thought my life is ruined. Uh, I can't, how can I go on and do anything? And uh, getting to sleep at night was the hardest thing imaginable. And the way Kathy and I dealt with it was we prayed, obviously. But we, we looked to scripture, we memorized scripture and filled our minds with scripture. And you know what we're told in Philippians 4, 8, dear brothers and sisters, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about those things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Listen, fill your mind with God's word and don't isolate yourself from others. Reach out to a Christian friend and say, I'm down and I need prayer. The Bible says we should bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, we are a church called Harvest. But we're just one little part of the big church. The bride of Christ, the church around the world, the church in the United States, the church in Southern California. And when I heard the horrible news that uh, Matthew Warren, the son of Rick and Kate Warren, had died, uh, taking his own life. I was devastated and I contacted them and I said, if there's anything I can do, please call on me because it wasn't only a couple years earlier our son had gone to be with the Lord and they asked me to speak at Saddleback that Sunday and it was my privilege to uh, speak. And so one of the first people we reached out to, Kathy called Kay Warren, who knows about this pain and what we're dealing with. And so we asked her to come. She was with us last night at Harvest Riverside. And she's here with us tonight to talk about this and to answer some of the questions you might have. So let's give a warm welcome to Kay Warren. God bless you, Kay. It is really an honor to be with you. It's, it's a holy and hard honor to be with you. Some of you knew Jared pretty well. He's a new friend of mine. We met about three weeks ago. We had followed each other on Twitter. I don't know quite how that happens. I just know that suddenly Jared Wilson was in my Twitter feed and discovered I was following him. And, um, and I liked a lot of the things he said. And we would, you know, tweet other things and communicate that way. And then about three weeks ago, um, he and Julie and I had our first phone conversations. And we had these beautiful hours together dreaming and thinking about mental health and how the church could be such a part of, of helping people living with mental illness. And Jared and Julie are so in, completely passionate about this. And we dreamed some beautiful dreams. And in fact, today was supposed to be the first time that we sat down together in the same room. Tuesday was um, National Suicide Prevention Day, and um, the Orange County Board of Supervisors had 
was going to have a press conference to release a statement in support of that day, and I'm on a suicide prevention task force for the county, and so I was on my way to that meeting, and I was at a stoplight. I'd had to park further away, and so I was actually walking, and I was at a stoplight, and I got a text, a notification, and normally I wouldn't have paid any attention because I was heading to this meeting, but at that stoplight, I pulled out my phone, and Julie had texted me and told me the most heartbreaking news. And I yelled, and as Pastor Greg said, he yelled out, I yelled out, and I sat down on the steps right there of that building, and I wept, and I wept, and I wept, and I wept, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried. And some of you may want to cry tonight. I've already heard your tears, and that's okay. It's perfectly appropriate. It's an appropriate thing to weep at the death of someone we love. And I thank you for coming. I thank you for coming. It's hard. I mean, we would rather just be here for a regular worship service where you sing these amazing songs of praise to God and hear a message from Pastor Greg or one of your pastors. But let me tell you something. It is good and right that you are here tonight because Pastor Jared was a part of your community. He was an integral part of your community. And it is in community that we grieve together, that we process thoughts together, and that we begin to heal together. I don't have a really long time, but in this time that I do have, I want to tell you just briefly how my family, some of the things that we have had to grapple with in the death of our son, Matthew, um, who died on April 5th, 2013. He was diagnosed with depression when he was just a little boy. He was seven. And he probably could have been diagnosed sooner if I had known that children can have a mental illness. I didn't know. And so he lived for 20 years with an increasingly serious um, mental illnesses and um, hit that intractable, intractable brick wall of mental illness on April 5th, 2013. And in these past six and a half years, we've learned a lot of things, had a lot of wrestling time with God. In fact, I think that's probably what I want to say to you, a couple of things. One of them is this. One of the aftermaths of suicide is questions. I mean huge questions questions that can keep you up at night, questions that can leave you tormented, that can leave you full of guilt, that can leave you full of, of doubt, that can leave you full of so much pain. And we, Pastor Greg already said that, that we don't know why. We don't know why Jared took his life. In fact, the only two people on this planet who know that are Jared and Jesus. And someday we will know we will know some of the mysteries that remain around suicide will be answered, some of the mysteries of his death. But right now, we don't know. And there are so many complex reasons around suicide. If you didn't know that, suicide is rarely because of a single thing or a single cause. It's complex. Studies have shown that about 90% of people who die by suicide had an underlying mental illness, but they're coming to realize that it's actually even more complex than that, and there can be a variety of reasons that take people to that place, that take people to that edge. I'll tell you this, from talking to survivors, people who have attempted to take their lives and survived, a couple things we know. We know that most people who get to that place, who cross that barrier, who come to that edge of, I call it sitting on the edge of hell, because it is so bleak and so dark. It is a time full of pain. It is a time of confusion. People are not thinking clearly. There's, there's distorted thoughts. There, people are not in their right minds. God made us to live. The human spirit fights to live. And so when the human spirit 
doesn't want to live, then that, there's something very wrong. Something has changed. Something has broken. Something is not right. And so we don't know all the complexities, but we do know from people who have attempted and survived, they will tell us that they didn't really want to die. They just wanted the pain to stop. And so someday we will know that. I have so many questions. I have so many questions. When I stood on my son's driveway waiting for the police to confirm what I was pretty sure had happened, um, I couldn't help but when they came out to say that, yes, it was true that he had died. The screaming, um, I, don't, I just have a vague memory of the sound of my own voice screaming. And I've wrestled with God greatly over that. But there are so many things that we don't know, and they will remain mysteries, and I can't tie it up for you with a nice pretty bow. We would love it. We like it when our Christian faith ties things up with a pretty bow. We like things to be neat and contained and clean. And I just want to remind you, this is earth. This is not heaven. This is earth, and everything here on earth is not neat and clean. It's messy, and it's painful, and we're not going to be able to tie this up with a nice little bow. And after my son died and I had my own questions that I, that I couldn't figure out, um, I, I got this little pot, and I wrote my questions for God out on little strips of paper, and I put them inside of this, because my questions are valid. They're real. They're genuine. Your questions are real. They're valid. They're important. They're not meaningless. They're not trivial. And they're worth considering and they're worth asking as long as you can understand that some of what you ask, you will not know. And there has to be, as you mourn, as you over time mourn, a, a releasing of some of those into God's hands. Not that they're not there. Not that those questions aren't there. But understanding that they remain a mystery until we see Jesus again. One of the other things that I've learned is not only are the reasons for suicide complex, it's rarely a simple this or that, the responses to suicide are also pretty complex. And if we had the opportunity to sit down and talk together and you could tell me your personal questions, I have a feeling a lot of them would fall into some of these categories that I'm going to mention to you. Some of you are so confused right now and you are so shocked that you find yourself still saying, this can't be true. I must have heard wrong. This didn't happen. They're talking about somebody else. This, this just can't be real. And your mind is completely confused, almost refusing to believe that this has happened. Some of you are angry at God. Really, if you could be honest enough, you would say, I'm mad at God. Why didn't he stop him? God has all this power. Why didn't he stop Jared? When my son died, I have asked that question over and over. God, you, you made the sun stand still for a day. You parted the waters. You brought people back from the dead. Why didn't you stop my son? You could have. I don't know the answer to that. Some of you may be angry at Jared himself, and that's really a painful thought because you love him. And yet you're also angry because your response is, you, you left us. You left your family. You, I thought you loved our church. I thought you loved me. I thought you loved this community. How, how could you leave us? And anger is a response. 
And some of you, even in that anger, might say something like, well, how, if, how do I know that what he said is true? He said God was good. He said God was trustworthy. He said that I could put my hope in God. He said that Jesus was the way to salvation and, and my dearest friend. What if, what if I can't believe that anymore? And I would just tell you, I'd reiterate what Pastor Greg said, don't let what happened in one moment, in a very dark moment of his life, in any way, in your mind, cancel out the fact that every single word that Jared said to you about God, it was 100% true. God is good. God is trustworthy. Jesus is our only hope. Every single thing that he proclaimed to you from this pulpit or any pulpit or any Bible study or any personal conversation, anything he ever told you about the truth of God is true. And it does not in any way minimize or negate the ministry that he had to you or to this church. Some of you might say, this just feels like the most selfish thing that anybody could ever do. And some of you aren't thinking about the confusion and the anger. You're just sobbing inside. You just miss him so much. And all you can think about is the missing and the missing and the missing of this person that you cared about. And I just want you to know that every single one of those emotions is normal. Every single one of those emotions are a part of grief. They are the language of grief. And some of you are gonna be a little stuck at the confusion place. Some of you are gonna be stuck at the anger. Some of you are gonna get stuck at the, um, was that selfish? Some of you are gonna get stuck in just the missing, the missing. And as a church family, as a body, as a congregation, you need to know that over the next few months and years, because listen, this is gonna take a while to heal. This is not gonna heal quickly and easily. This is a devastating, catastrophic loss with so many layers. But as you gather together in your Bible studies, as you gather in your small groups, you gather in activities, you will find that maybe somebody in that group mentions Jared and somebody says, man, I, I just, I can't believe it. So I just saw him. I just got a text from him three days ago. How could this be possible? Some of you will be in the place of how could God let this happen? And then somebody else in the group may say, well, man, I'm a little ticked at him. I just, I can't get past that. And somebody else might say, this is so selfish. And somebody else might just be weeping with no words. All of that is normal. And so be kind to each other. Be gentle with each other. Be patient with each other. You're going to be in different places. See, grief has this both universal and unique aspect to it. Because you're one congregation and you all knew him and loved him to some degree, there's a universal grieving. You're here tonight and last night in Riverside, the tears and, and the sobs and the, the painful looks on your faces. I know that you are grieving as a congregation. He was a part of you and he will always be a part of you. But you also are individuals, and some of you had very close relationships. Some of you had casual relationships, but you had your relationship with him. And your particular relationship is unique. And so there's universal, and there's unique. And in those reactions to his death, that's where it comes into the unique part. So instead of judging somebody else's response, instead of saying, well, why don't you feel the way I feel? Well, this is the way I think. Well, how can you think that? If you're not careful, this can become a place of conflict, and that would absolutely not be 
the right response to Jared's death. So as a congregation, grieve together. Give each other some space. Be kind with each other. Be patient with each other as you go through this very, very difficult time. Pastor Greg's already talked about, you know, that suicide is not the unforgivable sin. I am so grateful to be able to say that because, listen, some folks absolutely believe that suicide separates you from God. And the church through the centuries has been guilty, I think, of teaching that. When, as Pastor Greg said over and over, it, my salvation has nothing to do with what I can earn or how I can keep myself. It is the blood of Jesus that saved me and keeps me. John 5, 24, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Absolute assurance that what God did on the cross for Jared, Jared's trust in Jesus made him secure and safe in his salvation. But here's, here's where I want to be really careful. Because honestly, in a room this size, one in five live with mental illness. In this room, one in five people will be diagnosed with mental illness in the coming year. It's common. It's not rare. It happens a lot. And if it's not you, it's somebody you know and love. And so there, there is within us, I'm sorry, I just lost my thought. <laughs> Sometimes you get going and then you go, did I just say that or am I getting ready to say that? <laughs> just give me a second. It'll come back to me. Oh, how annoying. Somebody help me. Give me a prompt. What did I say? What did I say, Joy? Yes, that people, yes, thank you. And I still, that doesn't help me. Um, <laughs> so embarrassing. Thank you, Joy. This is my chief of staff. What would I do without Joy? And listen, grief does that to you, too. Grief and trauma kind of just addle your brain. What I was trying to go, where I was trying to go there was that because all of us, one in five people live with a mental illness, um, that, that there is, there are probably many people in this room for which this message is incredibly triggering. You are struggling with suicidal thoughts. You are struggling with depression. You have found yourself in those dark places where Jared has been. And in fact, just even hearing about his death has actually pushed you closer to the edge than you've ever been. I talked to people last night at the Riverside campus. I know this is true. And I know if it's true there, it's probably true here. And here's what I want you to understand. Yes, one in five will live with a mental illness. And so, and here's another fact, and suicide is not the unforgivable sin, but that not in any way gives us then the permission to end our own lives. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that we belong to God, that we have been bought and paid for. My life doesn't belong to me. My life belongs to God. The Bible says in Psalm 31 that my times are in his hands. God is compassionate. He also says that he knows that we are but dust and he has mercy and grace for when we don't do it exactly right. Remember, this is earth, not heaven. But for any of you that might be struggling, I want you to know to focus on the fact that you belong to God. You belong to God. 
and your times are in his hand. And if you are feeling that deep depression, um, please tell somebody, do not go home tonight without telling somebody. Don't leave here without telling somebody that you are feeling on that edge because there are people who will be with you. There will be people who will walk with you. There are people who will stand with you. So I want to just finish up with this. Soon after, soon after Matthew died, um, I, I read a quote from um, um, Eric Little. He was an uh, Olympian in the 1924 Munich Olympics. The Chariots of Fire movie was uh, about him. And he said this. He said, circumstances may appear to wreck our lives and God's plans, but God is not helpless among the ruins. God's love is still working. He comes in and he takes the calamity and he uses it victoriously, working out his wonderful plan of love. It may appear that Jared's death has ruined so much, and there is ruin. I'm not going to deny that. My son's death, the day that he died, I felt as though I was ruined. I would never recover. I would never live again. I would never smile again. There would never be any joy. There was really no reason to keep going because the pain was that deep. Suicide does ruin some things. But God is not helpless in the ruins. God is not helpless in the ruins of Jared's family. God is not helpless in your ruins. He's not helpless in my ruins. He's not helpless in the things that feel like have been ruined even in this church that you love so dearly. God is still at work. I have been a believer in Jesus Christ since I was eight years old. And... Um, it, it, growing up in my home, Christmas was the big deal, and Easter, my dad was a pastor, and so Christmas was a big deal. But honestly, Easter wasn't that big a deal to me um, until my son died. When my son died, Easter has become the linchpin of my faith. My entire faith rests on the fact that Jesus rose from the grave. Because if Jesus didn't rise from the grave, if he is not alive, then Matthew, who put his faith in Jesus, is not alive. If Jesus isn't alive, then Jared is alive. And if Jesus isn't alive, then when I die someday, however that is, hit by a car, die of cancer, die as an old lady of a 300 years old, however it is that I meet Jesus face to face, if Jesus isn't alive, there is no hope for me, and there is no hope for you. And so everything hangs on Easter. Everything rests on the power of Jesus' resurrection. And that has become Easter and hope. It become the theme of my heart. G.K. Chesterton, he wrote about Dante's book on, you know, Dante's Inferno. And, and the Dante's Inferno was about hell. And Chesterton, Chesterton said that over the gates of hell, Dante said was a sign that said, abandon hope, all ye who enter here. And Chesterton said, the message of the Christian faith is exactly opposite. The message of the Christian faith is abandon hopelessness. Rather than abandon hope, abandon hopelessness. Pope John Paul said, we are the Easter people, and hallelujah is our song. And those are the truths where I rest my head and my heart. The day after Matthew died, a friend traveled five hours to hug my neck, and she walked in my house. She put her arms around me, and she whispered in my ears, the next time you see him, he will run to meet you, whole and in his right mind. I want you to know that the next time we see Jared, he will run 
to meet us whole and in his right mind. You need to know that God is not through with Jared. Jared's story did not end on the day that he passed away. Jared's story did not end. His dreams did not end. God has not finished using him. God is not through with him. My mentor, Elizabeth Elliott, used to say, suffering is never for nothing. I don't understand it all. I don't pretend to understand it all. But I do believe that suffering is never for nothing. I believe with all my heart that Julie will learn to survive and even thrive again. God is not through with her and her beautiful children. There's a verse. This is the prayer. I want to close with this verse of blessing over you that I'm praying over Julie and her family and praying over Jared's family and over you as a congregation. And it is this. I am confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I believe that Julie and her children will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I believe you at harvest, you're, you, will, you have a scar. You will have a scar. This will leave a scar. But it is not finish your ministry here in the community. If anything, people who are broken, people who are hurting, people who need to know that there is hope, people who need to know that they can bring their whole selves to church, not just their happy selves, and not even just their I've got my hallelujah on self, but they're broken, they're wounded, they're wounded selves to church. And when they can come here, they will find help and healing and hope. And when they come, my prayer is that they will also see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Let me pray for you. Father, these brothers and sisters are walking through an unspeakable pain. Jared's family living through the most devastating moments anyone could ever face. And we ask especially for them that even though in this moment hope may feel like a distant dream, that there would be even the tiniest little green seed of hope in their hearts to believe that they will again see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I pray that for any tonight who are living, especially with deep depression and suicidal thoughts, and the, the hope has been snuffed out inside of them, and just to hear again that their lives belong to you as they see the depth of devastation that happens when people take their lives. And as they begin to believe again that they could hear, see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, would you reignite that hope? Pray for any who are in that desperate place. May we truly be your arms of hope and healing and love to them tonight. I thank you for Pastor Greg. I thank you for Kathy. I thank you for the team here for their deep compassion, for their firm belief in your goodness, God, and the way that they are leading this church to reach into this community with hope and healing in Jesus' name. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Let's thank Kay Warren again for coming. Beautiful. Last night, uh, Kay quoted Ruth Graham. Did, did she quote her tonight? So the, I, I've got it for you. I got you covered, Kay, because that was a powerful quote. But uh, Ruth Graham, who we got to know quite well, was just 
I think the most godly woman I ever met, next to Kathy, of course, but uh, just a wonderful woman, wife of Billy Graham. Um, but she made this statement about someone who committed suicide or someone who took their own life. And uh, she asked, what, how, you know, do you think they're in heaven? And Ruth said, well, he may not have been called home, but he was welcomed home. And I think, uh, If you walked in today, we handed you a flyer with some resources that are available to you uh, and some websites and the National Suicide Prevention uh, Lifeline. And we encourage you to take advantage of these. Uh, we don't have the resources in the um, bookstore yet, but we look forward to getting them. So it's, many of them are on order. So if you're part of the church here, we'll have them down in the bookstore, hopefully some of them this weekend. Uh, and we wanted to make sure you got this, so please take it. Um, up on the screen, Pastor Greg, right after that quote, encouraged his church to break into prayer. And as a part of our regular Wednesday night service, we pray as a church. It's a commitment that we've made to one another, but more importantly, a commitment we've made to the Lord. And so I wanted to uh, give you our prayer points tonight. Uh, if you've never prayed together with someone, uh, maybe you consider a stranger or someone you didn't know, I want to encourage you not to leave. I want to encourage you to step into your fear and allow God to connect you with another believer uh, because you know, you're going to have to spend eternity with him in heaven anyway. Uh, so to get to know him now and don't be afraid to pray, especially on these topics. Number one, we're asking you to pray for those, including in your group, uh, if you want to share in your group who battle discouragement, depression, anxiety, or other attacks of the mind. Secondly, I'm asking you uh, to pray for personal wisdom from God on how to serve those struggling with mental health issues. And then finally, I'm asking you to pray for an open door to reach one new person this week, encouraging them in Jesus and pointing them to a sufficiency. Because if, it, if the numbers are true, one in five are wrestling with mental health issues. That's more than just the church. You know, the world is bigger than the church. And God wants to grow his church. God is not done growing his church. And many of the points in which God gets a person's attention is through pain and through difficulty and through the trials and circumstances of this life. And that may be why you're here. You may be here today because of a significant trial that has entered your life that you didn't ask for. You may be here today because you're under great pain and duress because someone you love committed suicide or someone you love died or someone you love left you and you feel abandoned, or the pain of, of any type of loss. And I'm here to remind you that Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive you of all of your sins and to infuse hope into your life. But until you admit your need for Jesus Christ, you will continue to battle these feelings of hopelessness in, 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 a, in a failing way. You'll never be able to overcome these feelings apart from the hope that comes in, through Jesus. Because hope is not simply an emotion. Hope is not some pie-in-the-sky emotion. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And not only did he die on the cross for you, but as, as it was shared, Jesus Christ rose again from the dead so that you would have a forever living faith in him and that you'll be able to take the next step and you'll be able to do the next thing. And you'll be able, I know from personal experience, 
things will get better. You will find healing day by day. You will not accomplish, you will not accomplish the goal you're looking for by ending your life. It will do the exact opposite and it will leave a wake of pain, sorrow and grief for everyone that loves you. And I'm reminded today that if you haven't told someone that's close to you that you love them, would you please do that? Would you reach out and tell someone how much you care for them, how much you love them, that you might remind them that they, as deep and difficult as it might be, maybe they've never even told you, but this timing would be so beautiful where they're reminded they're not alone and that they're loved. And allow the, you know, for us as believers, you allow the agape love, the love of Christ in you to flow through you because it is the love of God that breaks down barriers and brings people to repentance in their life. And so if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, it's the most important reason why you're in this room. The most important decision you could ever make is to dedicate your life to following God. You don't have to clean up your, your act and you don't have to overcome your depression and you don't have to become a, in a better place or some better person to accept Jesus into your life. You simply need to acknowledge your sinfulness, how you've sinned against a holy and a righteous God. You say to me, Ed, but it's hurting so much. How could you possibly call that sin? You know, the Bible says that we were all born in sin and that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And for you to hear that, for you to hear that the issue in your life is actually a sin issue, is actually a statement of freedom, that God has made a way for you to have your sins forgiven and have a way for you to have a forever relationship with God. And so if that's you today, I want, I want you to pray with me. So would you all please just bow your heads in prayer. And for the sake of you that are here today, I want you to pray. You say, Ed, I need to get my life right with God. Well, I want you to pray with me and say something along these lines. Talking to God. Don't talk to me. You're talking to God. And you could say, God, I admit to you today that I've sinned. And I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. God, I know that you know the deep hurt and pain that's in my heart. And I'm asking for you to heal the deep, deep, searing pain that I feel day by day. I want to be in relationship with you. I want my life to have purpose and meaning. And I want to be able to worship you and to trust you and to believe you, God, in all that you said. So help me to turn away from my sinful past and help me to live my life for you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed with me today, God heard your prayer and he answered it according to his will. And before we leave, we have two more things before we leave. We're going to pray for 10 minutes and then we're going to come up with Pastor Jason and have one more very upbeat, worshipful song that we can leave in our hearts because Pastor Greg in another message shared four things that helped him go through the grief with his son. His time in, his, in the Word, his singing of worship songs, his being with other believers, and his prayer life. 
And you may, say, you may think today that those are not very significant things, that you need some kind of deep counseling or you need more or you need that. Listen, the simplicity of a relationship with God will get you through anything. It will build your faith and it will infuse life to you. And if you need to see a medical doctor, then see a medical doctor. And if you need to ask for help, please ask for help. But more than anything, get your eyes on Jesus Christ. He is your hope and your strength. Greater than any man, greater than any chemical, greater than any sorrow, and things will get better. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.